It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I am live in studio here for you this Memorial Day weekend and holiday weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in. Eight minutes after seven o'clock, I've got Justin with me. I've got DeMarco with me. So we're having a blast. We're here for the next two hours on Green and Growing. Now, I'll give you a little secret. I am taking next Saturday off. I'm in a wedding, and I'm so excited about it, but it is an all-day affair, folks. So I've got some really good stuff for you next Saturday, including uh, tips on growing tomatoes. Walter and I talking about insecticides. It's going to be a really good show. Um, And we're also going to be talking with Pike Nursery, of course, as well. So lots of good info next Saturday and this Saturday, of course. And I've got your calls, of course, right now, 404-872-0750. Y'all always come with great questions. And again, occasionally, I will, uh, well, more than occasionally, I will tell you I don't know the answer. But I'm not going to fake my way through it. I'm not going to be disingenuous. Sometimes I rely on all of you to help each other out and maybe to help me out. I actually posted something on the uh, Facebook page last night. I was looking for your help, actually. I was recruiting all of you. Uh, My blueberry bushes, two of them are in containers, have been in pots for about five years on the back deck. And I guess I forgot to water them, or I wasn't watering them as much as they needed. Uh, I was, like, super attentive to the vegetable garden down below, making sure I watered all of that. But the blueberry bushes, I just kind of forgot about. So the blueberries that they've set uh, were already starting to ripen and shrivel before they were even a full size. So I kind of started to freak out. I'm like, well, they're shriveling before they're even getting uh, larger. And there were little clusters, more so the ones at the tips of the branches, um, so I kind of freaked out, and many of you were so so wise when you're like, "Oh, call the show tomorrow, huh?" But uh, so I, I quickly realized, you know, if I stayed on top of watering a little bit better, uh, some that appeared shriveled just back on like Wednesday have already started to rehydrate because I got a little bit better about watering that uh, blueberry bush. So sometimes you just gotta, again, not overthink it, keep it a little simple, and you may actually surprise yourself with the results. All right, I'm going to talk to Jim in Blue Ridge up next. Jim, you're on Green and Growing. Welcome. Thank you, uh, Ashley. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, thank you for mentioning Memorial Day. I think that's important. You know, and it it always feels weird, you know, when you're telling coworkers goodbye on a Friday. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I mean, really, not really. I mean, you're, you're letting them know to enjoy themselves and have a nice time. But do not forget the reason why it's on the calendar and why we do it and every day really should be a day where we remember those who've made the ultimate sacrifice just so the rest of us can live the life that we do here in the united states right yep exactly Mm -hmm. yep so thank you jim um we just finished a cabin in blue ridge and it's on uh, a hillside and like many they cut the driveway in and as a result left a little bank next to it that uh is subject to erosion uh, it's only about three feet high, about a 45-degree angle probably. Mm. Um, so we're looking for something, maybe an ornamental grass or something that um, we can kind of plant and forget that might help us with any erosion. Okay. 45-degree, uh, that's not severe, but, yeah, that's enough to where, you know, the neighbors or whoever's below are always going to reap the benefits of any grass yep. seed you may do. Um, now, Pennington does have a product that I remember seeing and you may have to read the bag as far as, like, directions on the angle of the slope and all of that. But Pennington actually has something they call Slope Master. 
and it is grass seed, a really good mix uh, that can, you know, forego erosion control, but it's got white clover. So I don't know how you feel about that. You know, you're not going to be at an angle where you can mow, but white clover is just a really healthy nitrogen rich, you know, thing. If you wanted to go that route, um, grass seeding and all of that, you got to start thinking about the seed starter mats and the erosion nets and all of that, which can kind of be a pain. But as you said, maybe a grass or something. The first thing I think of is big maiden grass, uh, miscanthus. That's going to be really good. They not only for privacy, but they are great on a slope, uh, low maintenance. And you get, you know, those nice plumes um, at different times of year. Even dwarf mondo, that's going to be short. That stuff holds on tight. Um, that's going to be a short grass that's more, you know, ornamental, doesn't need mowing, um, but it's going to stay green most of the year. You know, you may have to do an occasional weed whack once or twice a year for the yellowing leaves, but maiden grass is probably going to be the most visually appealing for that area. Well, that sounds good. Is it a good time to plant now? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. You can certainly plant maiden grass now. And once you get into the nurseries, Jim, there are a couple of different kinds. I mean, there's fountain grass and maiden grass and all those kinds of things. But on the label, they'll they'll kind of indicate to you which are better for slopes. Um, but like morning light is one of the miscanthus. That's one of the names of the, the maiden grass that I'm thinking of. But just real, you know, whimsical and airy looking. I think that's going to do great for you. Well, I think there's a driveway that's going to have some maiden grass soon. So. Ah, done. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I didn't give you too many choices. Like, we, we settled on one, and I think that's going to be easy. And, you know, make sure you plant them, uh, you know, the, the right distance apart according to the label directions because they do get pretty wide. Um, but you really don't even need to cut them back. You don't have to do anything to them. Uh, that sounds like quite a cabin should be. I love it. Well, good, Jim. Well, you set it and forget it, and you enjoy the mountains. Thanks, Ashley. All right. Glad Take you care. called. Be safe. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Right. I appreciate it. All right. Up next is Jan in Milledgeville. And Jan, I'm so glad you called because you got my email. I totally forgot to email you last Saturday. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I hate to admit to this, but I don't have a smartphone, so I can't take a picture. But I'm hoping that I can just describe the leaf. As I said, it's a rising sun red, but beautiful, beautiful tree. With I these love those. green leaves. But all of a sudden, and not a, not a lot of them, but just a few, and I thought I'd check early, it mm -hmm. it looks like something might be chewing on it, and the color has, there's rust color that's that's developed on the leaves where there's, it's a whole area that looks like actually that it's been chewed out, and it's become a rust, there's kind of a rust color. Maybe that's just how the leaf changes when something chews on it. I don't know, but it's rust. It looks like, and I don't see any bugs on it or anything or on the tree. Okay, so my two thoughts for um, insect infestations, I mean, red buds are usually really, really good at being pest and disease resistant, but of course you get that, that faction that aren't. Um, neither one of these is really going to be like a chewing, biting bug necessarily, but it will cause discoloration. So one is scale, um, and scale is going to really maybe appear on you know, the top of the leaves, but you're going to see the indications of it with like a sooty mold with like a black kind of dusty look on the top of the leaves, which that ultimately eventually chokes out the leaf and it dies. Um, but spider mites, when you say like a rust color, um, right. spider mites, that'll cause the leaves to almost appear like speckled, kind of yellow, maybe kind of rust color. Um, but you would definitely see the spider mites on the undersides of the leaves. Have you looked really carefully? 
I really have. I've looked at the leaves that I cut one off and brought it in. I'm sitting here looking at it right now, and I don't see anything. And as I say, it's it's only a few of the leaves in there. That uh, I think we've got that tree in a great location. It's kind of an understory tree yes. with big trees around it. Gets mostly morning sun, but a little later in the day, it, it's it's looked really good. And it's it's this is its first year with us, though so we we probably planted it in February, maybe March. Okay, yeah, understory is key. That I, I think of almost like a dogwood too, where they really do perform yeah. best if they're a little protected. Um, okay, yes. so if we're not seeing anything on the leaves, then that's probably going to not be a scale, not be a spider mite. Um, so then really what I want you to do, Jan, is start looking for maybe some kind of dieback or canker. But dieback truly means that you're going to see whole limbs eventually when they start to die. It's a fungus. Um, so it enters through any kind of wound that may have been made on the trunk or any gapes you know, that are in branches where they meet yes. um, the trunk. So I don't know if you've got that. Um, what you would want to do, though, cankers, the, the leaves will wilt and turn brown, so you're seeing a discoloration. Cankers right. are going to be seen on branches and on twigs, so you're going to see it on the surface of a branch. It's going to look maybe like a dark, sunken area, a small little sunken area on a branch, a little bit yep. of black there. And then so where you're seeing the affected leaves, look really carefully at the limb of the tree and maybe see right. if that may be it. Um, I mean, at that point, there you can prune out dead branches. You can kind of slow the infestation a little bit um, with, a, you know, a fungicide and all of that. Um, it can come back from that. Um, it, and then consistent watering as well, like making sure that it stays consistently, you know, watered and, it, and not dry out. It likes to be a little more dry or a little, or constantly watered, would you say? Because we, we try to keep it pretty good. Maybe we're putting too much water. Could be. Maybe- could be. And the fact that it's an understory tree um, is kind of a catch-22 because that means it's not soaking up a lot of water because the trees around it are protecting it right, from getting really sure. overheated. But then at the same time, the other trees around it are kind of, you know, there's a chance that they're robbing it of the moisture, too. So maybe do back off on the watering just a little bit because that's going to flare up any kind of fungus problem that you may be having. Um, and sometimes, I mean, leaf spot can just be a thing, too. If you just have kind of leaf spot, the affected leaves are going to die. They're going to fall off. Um, but really not a whole lot that you need to do with that. But that, you know, a, a fungicide, again, coming back to that, that would help leaf spot if that were the case. That would help die back or a canker if that's the case. So look right. real carefully at the limbs, and then let me know if that's where you maybe see something. All right, and one more quick quick thing. Uh-huh. You were talking with Walter, and I just got in at the end of the conversation. We have an area at our mailbox where we have daffodils, and, of course, now we're getting our, our lilies and mm-hmm. our yarrow. So it's crowded, and I, I know those daffodil leaves, are they've definitely died way back. But can I trim them back now, or, or is it too soon? They're really died, they've died back a lot. Leave what them as long as you can, because the longer you leave, even if they have any little bit of green on them, they're feeding back down to the ground, to the bulb, which the bulb really needs all that energy to store up for next year. But really, once they're 100% yellow and they're just looking real bad, then you can cut them. Um, but for right now, just cut the ones that look the worst. But it's okay. not going to be fatal if you do go ahead and cut all that foliage back. Right. They're so sturdy. I mean, they come back every year, and we, we get more and more. So, yeah, Isn't they that are great. And the lilies, too. Like you said, I am really enjoying seeing those right now. 
They are gorgeous in our yard. I just love the lilies, too. Me, too. So, I've got the but, Stella de Oro, those just real simple yellow ones. God, they're great. They're nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're there. But, you know, in our yard, we have an area with the day lilies, which is a Stella, which is what a Stella is. And sometimes the if you get don't aren't careful early, the deer really like to eat those. For they some do. <laughs> yes, they do. Absolutely. Yeah. That and hostas. I mean, they'll go oh. to town, but then for years they won't touch them. And then all of a sudden you think you're safe and then, bam, they're they're back have to watch all the time mm-hmm. but that's part of the the whole process so it's a good thing we well, have to watch do keep an eye on the the limb of that rising sun red bud for me jan but as long as i mean i'm taking your word for it because you know what you're looking for so if you don't see anything on the undersides of the leaves it may be a little more serious problem so yeah call me back and let me know thank you oh i'm so glad you called thank you so much jan always good to talk to you 404-872-0750 taking a break and we'll be back to green and growing on wsb So throughout the morning already, you have heard Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz giving you the forecast. Partly cloudy today, a high almost to the mid-70s, just a mix of sun and clouds and breezy, a little less humid than yesterday because of that rain. Really sunny day tomorrow, high around 76 for Metro Atlanta, and then back to partly cloudy Monday and Tuesday, but highs are going to reach the mid-80s, so a little bit of a warm-up again. So Memorial Day weekend, you maybe heard in the commercial break there, Um, Some remembrances that our listeners want to share, and we want to invite you to do that. If you download the WSB Radio app, you can do a lot of things with that app, including listening live. But at the bottom right-hand corner, once you download the app for free, is the open mic feature. And that's where you can record yourself leaving any kind of message that you feel so moved to do for this Memorial Day, and you may hear it on the air. So just uh, remembering those who gave their lives in service of our country the horror of war, the families of the fallen, patriotism, the strong military that protects this country, really thanking all of the families who have gone through that for generations and for decades to keep us safe so that we can celebrate this weekend and be together and enjoy our freedoms for sure. 404-872-0750. Got an email recently from Emily who spotted a spurweed or lawn burweed. In her yard, her poor child was getting pricked in in his feet uh, by these burrs. So that's going to be Weed of the Week. I want to invite you to be prepared for that. Check out the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. Search Green and Growing WSB. And under photos, look for uh, the Weed of the Week photo album, a highway horticulture photo album, where I really keep you up to date about things you are seeing maybe around your landscape. All right, coming up on news, weather, and traffic. And then I'll be joined by Norm Mitleider. We're going to be talking about uh, frost damage, Japanese maples. We've got some great questions and hydrangeas. Stay tuned. I'm Ashley Frasca. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. All right, already up to 67 degrees on Peachtree Street. Give or take a few degrees. That's according to my little 
Thermometer in studio. Glad you're here. We're halfway through the show, and I have promised to bring on a friend of mine, Norm Mitleider, a certified aesthetic pruner. We've talked in the past about Japanese maples. He knows about hydrangeas. I really lean on Norm a lot when I get uh, questions that, that I don't know the answers to, and people will send me pictures of beautiful Japanese maple trees, and I know those are expensive and sentimental, and I don't want to give the wrong advice, so I reach out to Norm, and he's always so willing to help. Norm, good morning. Norm, are you there? All right. We're going to... We're going to try that again. Um, but yes, so Norm's been on the show before and really helps keep us on track about what to do with those and hydrangea pruning and all of that. He maintains so many beautiful gardens here around Metro Atlanta and, uh, I mean, has been in business for years and really does a great job. And I also had someone reach out on the Facebook page. I'm very glad that Michael in Duluth reached out with a wonderful Japanese maple question. And I thought, what perfect timing, because I'm getting ready to have Norm on the show. I'm going to let Michael and Norm interact for sure. So, Norm, let me try that again. There you are. How are you? Hi. I'm... Uh... I think we got it, Norm. You hear me okay? Yeah, my my phone sometimes comes in and out, I and know. it's the worst nightmare, you know. <laughs> the beauty of technology and the advancements of technology. Well, so tell us, this time of year, you know, we're getting into the heat of summer. What are some of the best tips for folks who want to keep those Japanese maples in their landscape really showy and well hydrated? Well, surprisingly enough, if the tree is a well-established Japanese maple, it really doesn't require as much water as one would think. Uh, what you don't want to do is make the mistake and go, oh, it's really hot outside, so let's give it a lot of water. Because um, water uh, actually encourages the tree to grow a little bit more than what it should. So I would you know, monitor the foliage and let that tell you how much water it really needs. And what are the climates that they do best in? I mean, truly, we call them Japanese maples. That's a region that they're they're known to be from. And so what's their preferred climate? Well, um, they do great here in the northern part of Georgia. Um, and obviously, going up into the Carolinas and ideally they love further north uh, but they will do very good here you know Connecticut I've got some special trees up there uh, but uh, you know zone six uh, and seven are, are good zones okay and yet Metro Atlanta most of us are zone seven um, so you care for so many, and you have such a passion about this, and I've promoted you, you know, an aesthetic pruner uh, certified by the APA, which is the Aesthetic Pruners Association. What's involved in that? What does that certification mean? Well, it's very similar to what a certified arborist goes through, where you do testing and um, a lot of other, you know, for Myself, you also have to present uh, um, a portfolio of your work so that it can be critiqued and evaluated 
And based on that and the test results from that you do, you then become certified. Now, when you become certified as an aesthetic pruner, aesthetic means, you know, pruning in such a way that's good for the plant, but also visually appealing, I'm sure. So the first thing that comes to mind is Japanese maples, but not only that. I mean, what else would you really want that certification for to prune properly to where it not only promotes the right growth of the tree, but it looks good? Well, pretty much all the ornamental trees can, uh, you know, benefit from, you know, good aesthetic pruning. Because essentially what aesthetic pruning is, is doing the necessary trimming. But once you've completed it, it looks better, but you do not know or see what has been pruned, other than the fact that it's a cleaner, better looking tree. You know, you don't know anything about this, Norm, but your wife does, and I do. They say the key to wearing makeup is to look like you're not wearing makeup at all, right? So I think yeah. the, <laughs> the same goes for pruning. If it's been done right and it's done well, you look at the tree and you can't see where the pruning cuts were made. That's brilliant. Yep. Um, I have many clients that will go out after I leave and look for my cuts and tell me I wasn't able to find them. (laughs) (laughs) You're like a ninja. They never knew you were there. (laughs) Yeah. So give us just general rules of thumb. I know there are hundreds of varieties of Japanese maples, but uh, A, just really keeping it general, why we prune them, but B, what the most productive times of year to do so are. Well, Obviously, if there are dead and diseased portions in the tree, those need to be removed for the health of the tree. Um, Then, you know, the next item would be to correct any structural deficiencies, whether they're rubbing or crossing limbs that need to be taken care of. Um, And then lastly is, you know, the aesthetics, you know, training it to, you know, what the essence of the tree really is, whether it be an upright or it has that upward growth and or the dissectum lace leaf maple, which is a mounding cascading habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you want to make the tree display its wonderful leaves as well as its wonderful structure. Yeah, and making sure that there aren't branches that are crowding one another out, right? I mean, I think of like when you just mentioned that lace leaf that kind of is a mounding shape. I mean, I know naturally it kind of weeps with branches splayed over on one another, but there is a point where you would kind of thin some out, right? Yes, because you don't want it to look like Cousin It. (laughs) Or maybe you do. I mean, if you're a big fan of Cousin It, sure. But (laughs) Well, good. Well, Norm Mitleider joins me, certified aesthetic pruner, Japanese maples. We talk about so many other things. Now, I have promised Michael some airtime with you, Michael and Duluth. I I love hearing from you on Facebook, Michael. Good morning. And thanks for calling in with this question. It was so timely. Well, thank you, Ashley. I had a Japanese maple that was established for about two years, and we had an unexpected April freeze. And I figured with the age of the tree being two years, I didn't need to cover it up with plastic. And within two days of the freeze, the leaves turned brown and it died. 
So when is uh, when do you not want to cover it up for an unexpected freeze? Well, is your tree um, a, an upright variety, or is it the lace leaf variety, the mounding? I'm not sure I understand the question. I don't know all the varieties. I mean, it looked like a regular tree. Um, and of course, it died. I mean, it didn't. It, it's it's no more. And Those, I replaced it with another tree that got dug up by voles or or um, mm-hmm. or uh, voles. Yeah, maybe voles. Yeah, and, and Gwinnett County Extension could never identify from the holes pictures I sent what I had, mm-hmm. and they've since gone away. But it dug it up twice and it killed that one. So I haven't made another attempt to to plant one. So I was looking to see if you had a suggestion on um, maybe, one, how to care for them if I did plant one, if I got an unexpected freeze, and is there anything I can put in the ground around it so that pests don't dig it up? Ooh, now that's good. So, Norm, we're trying to set him up for success and not having the same problem twice, right? So let's talk about a young, immature tree and protecting that, and then also kind of keeping unwanted pests away from it. Okay. The uh, the frost damage, there really isn't anything you can do, uh, depending on the size of the tree, naturally. If it's small enough, you can put, you know, uh, old bed sheet or something over it overnight to help insulate it from the cold. Um, but, you know, if it's too large of a tree, you know, that's not, you really can't do that. Um, And uh, if your tree does sustain some damage, um, specifically with the lace leaves, which are the cascading mounding variety, um, it's very critical that if the leaf damage is extensive on the upper portion of the tree, that you potentially put some shade material up there so that that main um, branch area does not get sunburned because that particular variety does and will get sunburned, which creates another host of problems. You know, and, and Norm, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because Michael, if you've not seen what Norm's talking about with this shade, I mean, like say you set up a tent, you know, like you're going camping and you set up a tent and then you have that final plastic kind of tarp-like piece that goes over the top of the tent, you know, and you stake it down at all four corners and keep it from blowing away and protect the tent a little more from rain. That's kind of like this sun shield type thing that Norm's talking about. And Norm, I mean, you've had those. I've walked properties with you where you have those over Japanese maples that are, what, 12, 18 feet high? Um, So a homeowner can do that. It's just a little more involved, right? Yes. Uh, It takes a little creativity to get some of it up there sometimes. Yes. (laughs) So, and uh, and then is there any secret that you know you've planted so many, you've maintained so many? I mean, what if, you know, deer visit the site of a Japanese maple or like Michael may have very well had voles that are just digging up in the ground and then, you know, they t- completely ruin the root system. Is there anything that you could maybe put around it to protect it or 
I don't know, some sh deep rooted perennial that maybe his root systems would go so deep that it would maybe stop the voles from going further in toward the roots of the Japanese maple? Well, when the tree is planted, I would try using uh, a lot of permatil, which is a granular material, because hmm. um, it supposedly deters you know, moles and voles from digging around your trees and bushes. Okay. Um, so that is an option. Another option might be to get some, you know, chicken type wire, you know, the, you know, the thicker stuff and kind of bury it, you know, maybe two feet around the tree just so that you know, they they dig and they hit it, but they can't go through it unless yeah. they go up and over. And that won't have to stay in place forever, just as the tree gets established. Yep. But it will, you know, the tree would be able to, you know, send out roots and whatnot. So it, it shouldn't be too much of an issue because okay. the voles usually are up in the, the first maybe eight inches of soil mm -hmm. and the Japanese maple roots are below that so it, it shouldn't create uh, girdling issues with the roots okay well Michael so I feel for you the third time is the charm don't let it don't let it uh, deter you and norm really quickly here the best time for him to try again to plant one best time of year well I would wait and do it in September October okay all right, Michael, I'm so glad you called. Thank you so much, Norm. We're going to hold you over, take a break, and check traffic and weather, and we'll be back to 95.5 WSB. All right, I am back with my guest, Norm Mitleider, who's helping us with some, uh, to be successful with Japanese maples. And I've got Bill in Williamson. Good morning, Bill, with a great question. What's your question for Norm? Good morning, Norm. Um, I've got a Japanese maple. The um, It's a grafted. The uh, main trunk is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, is just a regular maple. And the top part is um, grafted on as a weeping maple. The problem I'm having is that it keeps putting out from the base of the trunk um, the straight maple. How can I control those shoots that come out? Well, you just the easiest thing to do is be vigilant. And as you start to see them, just the, the, the slightest bud, go ahead and just rub them off. Because as you, if you let them mature, then you're going to be having to make a bigger pruning cut. And over time, because the tree is being persistent, it's going to keep pushing it. And you're going to develop a big knuckle on the trunk. And that's not going to look very attractive. So just be very vigilant. And as you start to see just the slightest bud, just rub it off. That's going to be great advice, and like you said, it's going to take some some work on Bill's part. But really, I mean, no chemical because the tree is naturally doing what it wants to do, right, Norm? Yes. Okay, so Bill, how do you feel about that? I think you can handle that. 
Yeah, thanks. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I'm glad you called, and that sounds like a fantastic Japanese maple. All right, well, coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, I have more questions for Norm. We don't get to spend enough time together. And special guest Clark Howard joins me as well. We have a favor to ask, and I have some questions for Clark. Stay tuned. It's green and growing on 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.